welcome to the Beyond the Lyrics podcast, where we hear songs and stories from Canada's up-and-coming musicians. I'm Amanda, and across the table from me is Sam, and we have a CC for you. Amanda, this is our first episode. Are you excited? Yes, I'm so excited. It has taken a lot of prep to get here, but we have finally made it. Yeah, I actually don't know how many more of the meetings I could have taken. Um, but that's what my... is that supposed to mean? Well, no, I just mean that you you're the more organized one of the group. Like I remember the school projects mm. at school when you had to work as a group. I kind of feel like you'd be the organized one, the leader, the one who got it all together at the end. Yeah, yeah, but only if the other group members weren't doing it right. Yeah, so like every time. <laughs> well, what can you do? I knew it. <laughs> Today we're speaking with Patrick James Clark, and he is great at working on teams. He spends much of his time writing songs with others. But before we get to that, let's hear his recent release for the record. I really wish you had stayed Didn't want to go in this way I'm not saying you're to blame But for the record I'm the one getting no sleeping You were so bent on leaving You made it look so damn easy Could have been that classic throwback old school kind of style Like a needle sliding through the groove on vinyl Could have been that timeless love song Sing forever, but I was wrong. We're another sad song for the record. Patrick, it is great to have this time with you. Thank you very much for joining us. I'm I'm happy to be here. Happy to be episode number one. It's great to see you again, Sam, and to meet you, Amanda. This is great. I don't know if you know this, Patrick. I've actually been a fan of yours for a while before we actually even connected. I did not know that, but please tell me more. (laughs) (laughs) When we shortlisted the people we wanted for this podcast, your name was was straight on the list. And Amanda said she fell in love with your songs like three words in. So um, as soon as I heard that bit and then for the record, I was like, I'm done. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) I loved it. I knew it right away. We just heard uh, For The Record, um, and that's your latest single. Uh, How has it received so far? It's been great. The reception's been super warm. And what's interesting with this release is, you know, with the pandemic, I think we've all been doing a lot more writing. So my network is, you know, 10 times as big as it was prior to this because I was mostly we were gigging and we sort of knew a lot of, you know, we we worked in the same circles, but you didn't get to interact as much, you know, when you're doing the solo gig. But after this last year of just writing with everyone, you know, I found in myself included, everyone was very excited when someone else sort of in your crew would put out a new song. So the people like just the champ, the championship of other people like to kind of bring that song out to their friends was amazing. So I really, I really couldn't have asked for a better, you know, reception to the song, which has been so lovely. And I've seen people post clips of it on the radio. Yeah, which has been insane. Have you heard it yourself on the radio as well? I have. I did catch it myself. Um, it's my first tune that I've ever been singing on to like be in rotation. And um, my girlfriend and I are, are house hunting right now. And we were at a showing and we all were in separate cars and we we're in this like sort of cul-de-sac. And I had the radio playing like the whole time. I just never change it off the station to see if I'm going to catch it. And I've never, I'd missed it. Like, you know, everyone had heard it, but me basically. And 
I jump back in the car and I catch like the last 30 seconds. And of course I like lean out the window and yell to everyone in the call. It's like, it's on right now. Like everyone turn on your radios right now. Like, <laughs> like there's a neighbor, there's people walking their dog. And I'm just like leaning out my car window, yelling at them all like, it's playing on the radio. <laughs> so it was a very exciting moment. <laughs> so the song for the record, I will say my favorite line in it uh, is the line where you say like a needle sliding through the groove on vinyl. It is such a smooth, free-flowing line. I love it so much. It does everything you want a line in a song to do. And that's even before you then realize how awesome the lyrics are. Could you just tell us a little bit about the process of writing that song? Yeah, of course. Um, well, thank you. I mean, that that's that's very high praise. Um, so I co-wrote the song um, with my my producer, Jordan Hansinger, who produced the track, and, and Rich Cloak, another buddy of mine. And we write stuff all the time together. And, you know, when I think about this song, I really do, and it's, it could sound like lip service, but I really think of it as like the perfect co-write. Because a lot of songs, someone sort of drives it forward, someone sort of pulls it one way and, and sort of leads it. This song, you know, it took a really long time to write, but it was such a symbiotic, you know, give and take with all three of us, just sort of piling on ideas after ideas. Because that hook, when we came up with that hook of like, you know, it's just a sad song for the record. Like I thought we were going to be a great song, but we're just another sad song. Then like when you kind of moved backwards from that, there were so many things that it like could have been right. Like, you know, that could have been that classic throwback old school kind of style, like coming up with all that was really reverse engineering our hook. Once we sort of landed on, you know, what we could have been for the record. It's so good. As I said, it flows so nicely, especially through uh, that chorus. Now you do a lot of co-writing, Mm. I will admit that I am bad at co-writing, but you seem to be extremely good at it. Do you enjoy it? Is it something you enjoy doing? Is it something you just feel that you learn a lot from? How do you feel? Is it easier than writing on your own, harder than writing on your own? Yeah, it's funny because I was of the same mind as you. I really didn't do any of it for a really long time. I just thought everyone else was dumb and their ideas weren't good. So I was just going to write my own songs. <laughs> that is what Sam thinks. <laughs> that, is, that is what I think. <laughs> yeah, and then really the pandemic, you know, that was sort of what opened the doors. It, just because, you know, the nature of musicians in Southern Ontario were really far apart. And if you're not sort of living in the same vicinity, setting up those co-writes, your whole day is sort of eaten up to go to Toronto if you're up in London where I am or Hamilton or whatever. So the, you know, the Zoom co-writing just opened the floodgates to collaboration. That got to, you know, be erased. We just got to dive into rooms and, and start writing and really build more friendships. And by way of that, I think as you become more familiar with each other, as you kind of start falling into like what styles we like to write and ideas come to your head that you think would be a great fit for someone else. You've got a goal for 2021 to, to write so many songs. That's 200. 200 songs for 2021. That is the goal. Yes. And what is the reason for wanting to write 200 songs? Well, it seemed hard. <laughs> so it seemed like a good goal to make. Um, I knew 200 was sort of the number that a lot of pros were throwing around. Like I would sort of hear songwriting panels and stuff and people would sort of say that 200 songs a year was sort of what they were cooking out if they were sort of signed to a publishing deal is what a lot of the, the pros were doing. Um, my big goal is a thousand songs that I wanted to hit. So then I was like, well, if I kind of work backwards from that, it's like, you know, five years of 200 a song could kind of get me there. You know, the better you get at writing, the better you get at writing, you know? So it was really like to strengthen the craft, but then it, it just was also walking the walk, if that makes sense. You know, the, that's what the pros are doing. And if you want to be a pro writer, like pretend you are one until you become one. And that was sort of the impetus of, of that, that number, I guess. 
Yeah, I really enjoy watching the marbles go into the jar. It's very satisfying. <laughs> okay, I really like hearing that your expectations are so reasonable. Like you say, like, well, we're going to work on this for two hours. And if it's not good, that's okay. We'll try again next time, right? Or if, you know, I'll do this many and some of them will be good and some of them won't. And I feel like that's a really healthy way to um, do this for the long haul, right? Instead of having so much, you know, worth and value on each single one. Um, how do you decide which ones are the really good ones? There is something, you know, the worst thing that can come out of a write is a good hang and a bad song. And that's really not like, you know, we're not building bridges that fall apart. Like, uh, it's just not a good song and that's okay. Maybe you had a good time and you got to have some laughs and that's always great to decide that they're good. I think is, you know, it's so subjective obviously, but you know, Sam, I think you can attest. Like I remember Sam, we played a show together and and you made a joke that was like, everyone else thinks this is my best song, but they're wrong. Like this is my actual best song. (laughs) And, And I feel that way. Like, yeah, like, you know, there's songs that I just adore, but I adore them for weird reasons that they speak to me. Like, there is a couple little things that have to do with rhyme that when it happens, I just think is like the pinnacle of songwriting, but no one else would care. But when like, you know, so those little kind of things are like just ear candy for me or like personal songs or something like that. But I do think there is a starting point of there, there is a sort of a barrier to entry. There's a threshold of like, okay, these songs are of professional quality, professional grade. And then from there, maybe it's like, you know, you know, it's your flavor to taste. It's, it's, it's your own sort of discretion. Once you sort of pass the bar of like, yep, any of these would be good. Now, which ones do you want to take, you know, to the studio? Well, that's great. We are going to listen now to another one of your songs, uh, which is called photos of you. And then we are going to come back and hear a little bit more from you. Awesome. But before we hear that song, check out this deal we've got for you. Hey, Amanda, how much does a ticket cost? A ticket for what? The gun show. You look like you've been working out. Well, thanks for noticing. I have been. I've been in a transformation program with my coach, Victoria, during the pandemic. That sounds amazing. The only working out I've been doing is flexing my finger to order pizza. (laughs) Well, I've been eating a fair share of pizza myself. That's been one of the best things about working with Victoria. Her plans are all about working in real life and being maintainable. It's not a crash diet at all. She teaches you how to portion your food, manage your thoughts, and build habits the right way. I'm seeing consistent results, and I'm not starving or drinking only shakes or anything crazy like that. That sounds pretty great, actually. Usually when I diet, I just cut out all carbs and eat salads for two days and then completely fall off the wagon. I used to do the exact same thing. It's so different for me now after working with her. She really takes the time to get to know you. Her meal plans and workout programs are tailored exactly for you. She does one-on-one strategy calls with you to work through any struggles. You do weekly check-ins and she gives you all the tools and lessons you could possibly need. Her mindset work has been the best part. I can honestly say I don't hate my body anymore and it's not from my body changing, it's from my mind changing. If you would like a coach that gives you the tools to change your body and your thoughts about your body and get $100 off of coaching, go to www.victoriajigalov.com. That's Victoria, G-E-G-A-L-O-W.com and use promo code BEYOND100. Now let's get to that song. 
remember that time I can't forget it We got so drunk at my brother's wedding The next morning after the checkout We slept on a hill by the hotel Remember that time on our anniversary We took a wine glass hoping no one would see I didn't think it was a crime Just something to remember the night by These snapshots of my life are rolling through my head Like a photo album full of nights I never will forget Picture after picture that I'm thumbing through You know all my favorite memories are Photos of you Alright, so that was Photos of You. Patrick, I assume that that was co-written as well. I wonder if you just want to give some credit to your co-writers there too. Actually, that one was all me, so I deserve all the credit for that. <laughs> wow. <time. laughs> what, what are the chances? Um, now, 2020 and 2021 so far has been pretty tough on musicians. I see a lot of musicians on my feed upset about the kind of current conditions. How have you found it? My main thing was was gigs. You know, I was doing bars and restaurants, and that's how I was making a living and paying my way through school up until very recently when I graduated. But that was my main thing, doing almost 200 shows a year. And that sort of went away instantly. You know, and if there's going to be a silver lining, it opened up a lot of opportunities that you didn't have time before. And writing is a huge one of them. Like, you know, everyone I know is writing songs now. And if anything, that's only going to raise the caliber of music we get to put out in the world. I feel like I sort of just switched into the mind like, hey, we're doing this for a bit now. And let's find the things that we wanted to work on. And, you know, my home studio wasn't something I was spending a lot of time on and something now I I top line vocals from my home and, and work on demos and stuff for that for people. So it did let me have time to explore and, and build up, you know, elements of my career that I didn't have time for before. And, and I've been really grateful for that. And you have pivoted well. Like I noticed that with your online presence and, and mm. that kind of thing. One of those things is originals only mm. uh, that you yeah. do, which is super fun. Three songs. I think I heard you say in one of them that they're usually songs that you've co-written the week before, like within yeah. the seven days. Is that true? Like it's within those seven days, they're that new? Yeah, for the most part. Um, generally, I would say on average, I'm probably writing five songs in the week. Five five writes is probably a fair number. And then, yeah, so for the most part, I take th- I pick three from that week and I put them on that show. And yeah, 15 minutes. There was, well, there's a couple reasons for it. You know, the show initially came out of the idea that my mom wanted to know all these songs that I was writing because you, <laughs> you can't record them. She's like, when do we get to hear these songs? <laughs> I was like, I don't, like you're going to cut like six of them. And, you know, so many don't don't make it. Um, so that was sort of like the, the earworm for me. I was like, well, maybe I'll figure something out, um, to, to get to showcase the songs. And I also get to sort of call out and shout out some of other writers that I get to work with. And, you know, my audience finds their audience and then their audience finds me. And, and that was sort of a great sort of, you know, symbiotic relationship online. It seems like you're getting a pretty great response too. It's been going quite well. Yeah. You know, the, the big thing I was trying to drive up was sort of interactions on, on the audience spaces and, and sort of getting feedback. Cause that's so helpful if you have a song that you were unsure about and it really resonates with the crowd. And I like hearing the backstories of the songs too. Thanks. I mean, that's, that's, that's one thing that I loved about it. Cause I, I hosted the songwriters round that, that Sam has been a part of. And that was the thing I love that we got to do some behind the scenes stories and, and bring out sort of a songwriter element. And because these are all people I wrote them with and we wrote them very recently, there's a lot to kind of say about every song. And so that's been great to get to highlight that a bit and showcase that a bit. We also saw that you have written a book, a fiction book. Tell us a little about that. <laughs> sure. Yeah. You know, if you asked me five years ago, I would say, I would never have said, guessed that I was going to have a, a novel out um, or coming out, I guess. 
And also I would say that as a musician, I was always really grateful I wasn't an author because it seemed so hard. And I'd be like, I'm so happy I just write songs because books seem impossible. That was like, that was a real thought that inhabited me a lot. <laughs> I was like, man, it must be so hard to write a book. Um, but it, it, it came out, um, you know, I went to school for music and for creative writing. And within the, in the sphere of my creative writing minor, we were pitching a book. We had to pitch a book idea that was part of the assignment. It wasn't writing a book. It was just pitching a book. And I had a professor that really responded to it. And he sort of invited me, you know, to, to chat with him. And he said, you should look at doing this as an undergraduate thesis. I'll, I'll supervise you and, and we'll develop the novel together. And I was like, well, that sounds pretty cool. Like, what am I doing? That sounds interesting. So we, we started doing that. And, and I sort of had to, like, jump through a lot of hoops because I wasn't, I shouldn't have been allowed to do a, a undergraduate thesis when I wasn't majoring in, in English. I was majoring in music. And we were able to kind of get all that squared away. And then we wrote about, we wrote, I wrote about 10,000 words of it. You know, we got a good chunk done for the thesis and satisfied that. And to make a long story short, that sort of kind of tumbled into like a, a TV development deal that he was sort of helping to set up in Toronto and with an agency based on this idea. So then I just graduated school and then we were sort of in the summer working with some Netflix writers and, you know, doing meetings about like making this book idea a television show which was just crazy like crazy that's a, it was insane i couldn't believe that was even in a sentence i was telling people about be like yeah well I'm that is crazy <laughs> yeah i was like oh i'm in toronto and we're meeting people and yeah we'll see what happens and and then ultimately that sort of got shelved it didn't get it's not dead it's i mean it's still technically like kind of kind of on the shelf but then I, uh, you know, I wanted to finish out this novel idea and, and I went through Humber's uh, creative writing program after as a, as a postgraduate uh, certificate. And then I had this book basically done. You know, I had this, this two, you know, 50,000 word manuscript that was so close to being fully done novel. It was like, I can't not finish. Like, I can't not finish this book. It's, it's so, it's, it's almost a book. Like, I can't, <laughs> I don't want to be the guy that's like, I've got, almost got the book done uh, and it's like, you know, 98% there. So then I just sort of dove in and, and just polished it up and found a really great publishing company that we, you know, I could work with as an independent and self-publish it, but still have the infrastructure of a, a major publisher to distribute it, you know, through all the major retailers and, and small bookstores and they work with an editor. So it was honestly just a great pairing, but it was a very, you know, like if someone's like, how do you do it? I was like, well, no, like minor in writing and stumble into this and then stumble into that and then stumble into a TV thing and then that falls apart. So then you stumble into fin like there's it was just a crazy sort of snowball of events, but it's been a wonderful process. And now the book is uh, is coming out in the fall, which is pretty insane to say. That is so exciting. I'm very excited. You have really done a lot with your creativity this year. <laughs> Thank you. It's been. Yeah, it's, I think it just came down to like. I just like making stuff, you know? So on the Beyond the Lyrics podcast, one of the things we're interested in is what people are passionate about, what kind of motivates them, the change they want to kind of see in the world. And so we just wanted to hear what you're passionate about and what kind of motivates you. We were writing to a brief and it was sort of um, as like a frontline worker kind of thank you letter, you know, sort of uh, to that. Yeah, like a thank you card in a song, right? That was sort of the brief. And and we, we wrote a, a fantastic song and a lot of people wrote really cool songs for that. And I was thinking about the idea of like, you know, what are you impacting as a musician, right? Like, what are you doing? Because you see all these people, you know, these frontline workers, right? And, and these healthcare workers. And in a time like this, the things they're doing and, and how immeasurably grateful, you know, we all are for them. And then you kind of, 
you you would be understood if if you said, I feel kind of silly because I just write songs all day. You know, like these people are out here saving lives and I'm kind of writing songs all day. And and there's kind of a goofy nature to that because, you know, writing songs is inherently like kind of a silly thing. Like that, that sounds like not like uh, it doesn't really sound very formalized. Right. But there's something that I think truly is very impactful about getting to create music and getting to create art and if nothing else, I think it serves as like an oasis, you know, it doesn't necessarily need to be um, like a break, but it's an oasis. It, it restores, it's a very restorative process and, and to make music and to put that in the world, I really think has a lot of benefit. And I think that about all kinds of art and, and film and, and especially film and TV and, and also the books and stuff. Yeah. We are going to hear another of your songs and that song is called uh, Yacht Money. Uh, this one has a bit of a different sound. Was that an intentional thing? It was, yeah. Um, when we did the the, the mixtape is what I put out first um, in 2019. And we kind of had three distinct sort of flavors on it. And it was sort of a testing ground because I was sort of rebranding, putting out some brand new music and we sort of took down everything. So it was going to be sort of a fresh launch. And we sort of went in three, you know, there, there, there's co- there's cohesion in it because it's all me singing it and I wrote the songs. But yeah, Yacht Money does feel sort of Bruno Mars, Justin Timberlake. Photos of You feels a little bit more uh, like Old Dominion, pop country. And then Broken Hearts and Getaway Cars was more like kind of more modern country sound. And it was to sort of see how people responded to everything. And we, I had this song, Yacht Money, that I thought was really fun. And the more we sort of played through it, the more we thought through all oh, this production could keep getting bigger and keep getting bigger. And it's like for sure the biggest produced track I've ever done, um, even like when you look at how many tracks are on it. Uh, so yeah, it was it was very intentional to get something a little bit different, and then it just became a hit. Like, well, a hit, right? For me, it became a very big fan favorite. Like the people that know it love, you know, they request it and and they love to hear it. So um, it's been great. Now, before we listen to it and say goodbye, where is a good place for people to find you online, both for music and your book? Yeah, right now, patrickjamesclark.com is sort of the main hub, and you can find me on all affiliated social medias at Patrick James Clark. Um, Instagram is probably my flagship. So if you really want to keep it up to like, what are you doing today? That's like the best place to find me. Great. Yeah. And if people go to your Instagram, they can very much track along the journey of the book and watch you drop marbles into the jar as you go towards 200 songs for 2021. Yes, yes, yes. Watch the journey. <laughs> awesome. Well, this is Yacht Money. Uh, Patrick, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we really appreciate your time. It was my pleasure, guys. Thank you so much. Thanks, Patrick. It's been great. Best guess of anybody who don't want to be guestless Who don't want to be a star Living life like Bruno Mars On Hollywood Boulevard Doesn't matter who you are We're going after that dream Online for instant fame This ain't one of those things You and me, we gonna have Yacht money Oh honey We'll be so rich it ain't funny Yacht money, oh honey mm-hmm. You and me, we gonna have Yacht money 
Wow, that was such a great interview. I so enjoyed hearing how much Patrick loves to write songs with other people. Yeah, me too. Doesn't it make you want to write a song together, Sam? I mean, not really, but Patrick is awesome. Uh, <laughs> our opening music is by 5J Barrow, and you can find them on Spotify. Join us on the next episode to hear from Carly Thomas, a singer-songwriter from London, Ontario. See you there.